Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney founder of IRA Financial. And on today's episode, I've got three really, really, really good questions for you. One from Twitter and the other from one from Pennsylvania and another from Oregon. And the questions involve timing on backdoor conversions, sale, leaseback transactions, and whether an IRA can buy a vehicle in their LLC. So let's get right down to business. The first question is from Twitter. The first question is about if I make an after-tax IRA contribution, how long do I have to wait until I do a backdoor Roth conversion? So really good question. And why I wanted to present this question, because um, I have... Oh, probably have hundreds of questions in queue, but I actually chose this one with my producer because it's timely, right? IRA contributions for 2015 need to be, uh, 2015, for 2021 need to be made by April 18th, 2022. So anyone who makes more than $208,000 in 2021, not able to do a Roth IRA. So the way to do it is something called a backdoor Roth IRA, which allows you to make an after-tax contribution and then simply convert to Roth. Now, a couple of things you need to be careful. Number one, if you have other pre-tax IRA accounts out there, the amount you contribute, or the amount I should say you convert, may not all be able to be converted to Roth. There is a pro rata formula. For example, if you had a $5,000 pre-tax IRA a couple of years ago, and now you want to do a backdoor Roth IRA of 5,000 bucks, there's a pro rata formula that says you take the five, you add the five you had previously, that's 10. You divide the five by the 10, basically 50% of the $5,000 you're going to convert could be Roth. The rest will stay after tax until ultimately all the, the pre-tax um, goes away. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. The second is what about timing? Can you literally just do it the next second? Is that potentially a step transaction? Is that going to potentially violate some sort of IRS rule? The answer is no. Honestly, you can do it the next second. Um, what we do for clients is we will basically just open up two accounts and just do a quick conversion. We'll only charge for one account. Um, since 2010, when the conversion rules, the income rules for conversions were eliminated, Prior to 2010, if you made above a certain amount of money, approximately 100 or so thousand, you wouldn't weren't able to do a Roth conversion. Now we remember what happened back in 2010: financial crisis, Treasury needed money, conversions are a great way to get quick tax revenue. So they loosened those rules and said basically anyone could do it. And what happened is over the last 10, 11 years, real Roth conversions have become super popular. Now remember the Build Back Better Act, which has not become law, tried to eliminate backdoor Roths, mega backdoor Roths, and sought to eliminate Roth conversions over a certain income threshold starting in 2031. 
That bill is no longer, uh, well, it never became law. We'll see if it comes back to life, but right now it um, is not uh, law. So yes, you can still do backdoor Roth conversions. You can literally do it the next second, the next day. You wanna do it quick because you don't want any earnings to materialize off your after-tax contribution. Why? Because after, earnings on after-tax contributions are subject to tax. So if you convert those earnings, you're going to pay tax on the earnings. Whereas if you just dump five grand into an account and convert it the next day or a week after, without investing those funds, without those funds collecting any interest or generating any interest, there would be no tax. Okay, so there are no time rules. So it's a really good question. The next question, this is a really good question. This question is from Carl M of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Carl wants to know, if I wanna do a real estate sale leaseback transaction and I'll using debt, do I have to worry about the UBIT tax? Okay, so let me break down this question in a couple parts and Carl, thank you for the question. Number one, sale leaseback transaction essentially means that you own something and you're gonna sell it to a party who's gonna lease it to you. And this is very common, for example, like Walgreens, CVSs, they do this all the time, okay? Um, they'll do a deal where they will buy um, a property and then they'll sell it and then lease it back. And there's tax reasons for it, but it's common in a lot of commercial uh, real estate uh, type of scenarios. So a lot of IRA investors wanna get in on it because it's also proves to be a pretty lucrative deal because you have a guaranteed tenant. Most of these sale leasebacks are involving uh, you know, large commercial tenants, good credit. Um, you're not going to do it with like a mom and pop shop, right? These are legit businesses. So you get steady flow income. You can always refinance a loan down the road. They're, they're, it's a good play on both parts. So these are really popular transactions. A lot of IRA or 401k investors want to use leverage when they do this, meaning they will um, buy the property. So they're going to need cash to pay the Walgreens or the CVS or the business for that property. So generally they're gonna put down 10, 15, 20% and then borrow the rest. So IRAs, you've probably been watching or listening to uh, this podcast or various other videos, podcasts, where I talk about the UBIT rules. And the UBIT rules get triggered and UBIT, unrelated business income tax, it's a tax under 514 of the tax code, 512, 513. And 514, what basically says in these three scenarios, if you use IRAs or 401k funds to do a deal, you can trigger this tax, which can go as high as 37% in 2022. It follows the trust tax rates. Essentially, if you use marginal by stock, uh, non-recourse loan by real estate in an IRA, we'll talk about an exemption under 514C9 that allows a 401k to use leverage to buy real estate. And thirdly, if an IRA or 401k invests, in an active trader business, like a restaurant, through a pass-through entity like an LLC. Now, there's a obviously exemption if you invest in a corporation and 99.9% .9 of all publicly traded companies are corps. That's why you probably never heard of UBIT or never had to deal with it because if you're buying Apple or Tesla or any publicly traded stock, they're corps, you don't have to worry about UBIT. But UBIT does come up if you're investing in private placement, private businesses, real estate funds, private equity, if there's leverage, hedge funds. So something to be certainly cautious about. Now I mentioned 514C9 has an exemptions where a 401k, even a solo 401k could use a non-recourse loan to acquire real estate without triggering this UBTI tax, which is a super powerful tool, very, very 
um, friendly tax um, strategy for 401k real estate investors. Now, there is a situation where under 514C9B, there's an exemption, and this is what it says. If the real property at any time after the acquisition is leased by the qualified org to the person selling such property. So a lot of people don't realize this, but if you look at 514C9B, little three, there is an exemption on the exemption for sale leaseback. Meaning if you do a sale leaseback transaction, the exemption to the UBIT rules under 514C9 do not apply. Meaning you have to, you will pay UBIT tax if you have more than $1,000 in net income, if you use leverage in an IRA or 401k to do a sale leaseback transaction. Even though there's an exemption for real estate acquisition and deadness in a 401k using non-recourse loan, there is an exemption to that exemption on a sale leaseback transaction. Don't ask me why, seems um, you know kind of remote, kind of random, but that's what the code says. So if you're doing a sale leaseback transaction and you think you're gonna take advantage of the uh, 514C9 exemption for the UBIT tax rules for 401ks, think again, it's not gonna work. It works for regular real estate acquisition. If you go just buy real estate from party X, party Y, and use a non-recourse loan. A non-recourse loan is a loan you're not going to personally guarantee. Why? Because you can't personally guarantee a obligation or IRA or 401k. That triggers the prohibited transaction rules under 4975, so that you can't do. So that's why the loan must be non-recourse. Um, but if you're doing a sale lease back, that UBIT exemption under 514 C9 won't apply. So Carl, great question. I'm not sure if you're going that way or if just kind of wanted to do a sale lease back and, and was worried about UBIT, but really good question. The next question, third and last of today's episode is a great one for Victoria D of Portland, Oregon, not Maine. And Victoria wants to know, can a self-directed IRA LLC purchase a vehicle and use the vehicle for business purposes? So Victoria, this, this is a question that doesn't come up often. Why? Because most people that do and employ a self-directed IRA LLC they're doing it for passive purposes, whether it's you know, holding notes, doing private placement, private equity, crypto investments, or doing real estate. And generally they're outsourcing any of those activities, heavy lifting activities, whether it's you know, contractors, construction, um, repair, repairs, improvements, they're outsourcing to a third party. So they're really not going to you know, be buying their own vehicles, tractors, cars, trucks, SUVs, whatever doesn't happen, but could it happen? The answer is yes, Victoria. Number one, you can't drive the vehicle, right? So if you buy a tractor or an SUV and someone else is using it for whatever reason, guess it's possible. The only problem, Victoria, is that by doing that, you're probably gonna turn a passive investment into a business. Cause it's gonna be hard to argue that your, your LLC, which let's say owns real estate, or maybe it uh, invests in a business, or maybe it owns a motel, or maybe it owns a um, some type of you know, income producing activity, and now it has a vehicle, it's going to be difficult to argue that's not a business. And why do you not want your IRA to be involved in a business? Well, something called UBIT, Unrelated Business Income Tax, which is a tax employed at a 37% rate in 2022 and 2021, follows the trust tax rates, which taxes your business income at a 37% clip. Once you hover around, 
know, 20,000 or so of net income. Now, if that business activity does not generate any income less than a thousand bucks, there's no UBIT tax. But hopefully your activity does well, right? Ultimately it's gonna generate uh, cash flow, revenues, income. That could be subject to the trust tax rates, which currently is 37% in 2022. So you don't wanna be in a business in your IRA. You wanna generate revenues, income, You'd rather do it passively where you're generating rental income, interest, dividends, royalties, capital gains, because none of those income categories are subject to the unrelated business income tax rules. So Victoria, um, yes, technically you could buy a vehicle for whatever you're doing. You can't drive it, you can't use it, you can't take it on the weekends, you know, take it to the lake, take it skiing, ski hill, whatever you're doing, it can't be used for personal purposes. You can have a third party, let's say you have Joe or Jane, your manager, who's um, running your activity. Technically they can use it uh, for business purposes. But again, I think you're turning a passive investment into an active investment. Now, if the LLC is already active because you're going to own a, a trailer park, you own a, a motel or a restaurant or whatever, you're already paying the UBIT tax. It's already a business activity. So owning the vehicle is not going to trigger any additional tax because you're already in that business um, category. Just make sure from a primitive transaction standpoint that you're not driving the car, using it or whatever, just benefiting it from from that vehicle personally, because that is not permitted. Okay, so it's a good question. It doesn't pop up very often because most people are using IRA LCs for passive purposes. They're not involved. The activity doesn't generally involve vehicles. Um, even for, um, you know, IRAs are investing in restaurants or um, business type establishments. Generally, it's passive. They're a minority interest holder. So they're not worrying about the vehicle or any of that. That's someone else's responsibility. Not to say an IRA can own 100% of an active business. It can. You just can't be personally involved in it. And you can't earn a salary, clearly. And also, you can't benefit from any of the IRA or the business assets, including any vehicle or any other activity or any other asset it owns. So be careful if you're going to be buying a vehicle for your IRA LLC. If you're not considering the activity of business now, Using a vehicle, purchasing the vehicle, well, definitely not using it, but purchasing the vehicle could turn that passive investment into an active investment and then ultimately potentially trigger the UBIT tax on the net business income. If the activity is already a business, you may not care as much because you're already paying UBIT and just obviously make sure that you're not driving the car or using it for any purpose. You or any disqualified person, parent, child, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, or any entities controlled by such persons. So you can't have your kids or your parents use the car. Otherwise, great question, Victoria, and um, thank you again. So ultimately, this was a really fun ad mail, and I, I appreciate all the questions from Twitter, from Carl, from Victoria. Really good episode. Again, if you have questions, send them into Info at IRA Financial. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Um, you can just write um, ask uh, Adam or ad mail or um, questions. I have, I have lots in the queue. There's some good ones, but if anything pops up that's timely or anything that really piques the interest of me and my producer, we'll, we'll go with it early. You won't have to wait months to hear your question. You may even hear it next week. So send them in. Really appreciate the uh, great feedback. If you're listening, um, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, appreciate it. Um, and come back for more. Talk to everyone again. 
next week. Take care of yourself and uh, be well. Thank you.